Obviously, something that we face in the church, not just now, but in recent years, is the whole question of people leaving the church or growing up and just not seeing much need or reason for any faith at all, let alone the Catholic faith. So I want you to think for a moment, somebody in our own current days, when obviously there's a lot going on, maybe somebody who has a family member that they've lost to COVID-19. As I'm sure we're all aware, it's really tough to lose someone in those circumstances, isolated, away from family. Maybe you know someone who, because of this crisis, has lost their business. Maybe you know someone who lost their business in the riots. Maybe you know someone who, as a lot of the rest of us are becoming aware, perhaps has lived with injustice for all or most of their lives. Imagine anyone just really feeling now, particularly under the boot of struggle. And for whatever reason they decide, maybe their friend invites them, or maybe they grew up Catholic and they thought, gosh, if there's ever a time for God to help me, it's now. And so they come into church after so many years, and it's tonight. And they hear Paul, you know, the travails that I feel today are nothing compared to the glory that will come. This is nothing compared to what is coming. How is that received? How is that received by someone who is actually in the midst of travails? And obviously, we don't have to look at recent headlines. Anybody in the midst of life has things that we're struggling with at various times. But I've often asked myself, how would I take that passage and actually offer it to somebody who's in the midst of suffering? And not just sort of brushing it under the rug and saying, well, there's another passage that's probably more appropriate for you. And is our faith really just about delayed gratification? Yeah, I know this is really hard. I know this is tough, but just stick it out and you know, hopefully we'll get to heaven one day. Because seemingly that's not going to fly with somebody who's just having a great life, regardless of what they seem to be doing. So what, what is it when Paul says something like that? You know, the travails, what we're dealing with right now, it's nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Well, I'd like to suggest that inner wisdom, the church gave us that, what I think should be challenging reading from Paul. I mean, if you're like me, it's easy just to kind of let it slide. But if I were really in the midst of serious suffering and I heard that, I wouldn't just slide by it. I'd want to look Paul in the face and say, what are you talking about? I want to believe you, but what does that actually look like? Because I don't care how glorious that passage is, it doesn't magically heal the person who's struggling with COVID-19. It doesn't magically rebuild the business that was destroyed or whatever. So in her wisdom, I'd like to think that the church gave us that reading paired up with that oh-so-familiar gospel, right? The gospel of the sower. And once again, if you're like me, it's so easy to look at, okay, throws the seed out, and you go right for the fourth one. That's it. That, that's the one we're supposed to pay attention to. The one that lands and it produces all the fruit, and clearly that's when God gets it right or whatever, and if you stop and think for a minute, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But imagine that the sower were a baseball player, right? He's only batting 250. 
Only one out of the four does anything. The other three go nowhere. The seed doesn't grow up, chokes out. But if you go back to Jesus telling the parable, he doesn't say that the kingdom of God is this seed that flourishes. He says this is what the kingdom of God is like, the whole thing. The sower getting up and throwing the seeds out, some of it lands in good soil, but three times out of the four, it doesn't quite work out. He doesn't say the kingdom of God is number four. He says the kingdom of God is the whole thing. It's that the sower cared enough to get up and grab his little handful of seed, and he throws it out, and that's the kingdom of God. And some of it lands on rock, and it doesn't go very far, and that's the kingdom of God. And some of it gets eaten by birds, and that's the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus isn't somebody who's saying, hey, you know, the kingdom of God is going to be only this flourishing seed. Because he wasn't naive, and he didn't expect us to be either. And it's not as if God is only parceling out rewards 25% of the time. And I think what Paul would say if we had him here and actually asked him, he would say, no, I'm not just talking about delayed gratification. The glory that I'm talking about is here in your midst right now. But obviously, it's not a Hollywood ending kind of glory a lot of the time. It's not a glory that simply says whatever is difficult is going to magically go away. But the lie that the devil wants to plant, right? It's not only God who plants seeds. The lie is that somehow, unless your seed happens to flourish, unless you win the 25% lottery, then too bad for you. What if the kingdom is everything? What if the kingdom is the process itself? What if the kingdom isn't about where we get to at the end, but it's literally caring enough to throw the seed? And even though the parable has some of the seed land on rocky ground, I'm not a farmer, but a lot of our seminarians come from rural places, so not too many farmers sow on rocky ground. So maybe there's not a lot of seed that just fails immediately. What the farmer has to do is give it all his attention and care. And you don't really see how it begins to sort out until after quite a bit of time has passed. And what if the kingdom is caring enough as that time unfolds? How's it doing today? I'm not going to try any less hard based on how it might turn out in the future. And what if that's what the kingdom is all about? Paul was not naive. He knew that the travails and struggles he and the other members of the early church were dealing with didn't magically go away. So maybe just a little spiritual, and spiritual exercise as an invitation this week. It's kind of put ourselves in that same mindset. And to say if we, by the grace of God, are maybe not dealing with extreme travail in our life right now, Though in a crowd even socially distanced of this size, some of us in this room have got some pretty heavy things on our hearts and minds that's almost a given even though we often don't show it to the world. But if that's not you, if that's not where you're at right now, then a way of bringing the glory that Paul is so confident in, bringing that out even in the midst of the travail, is to really have the care and the love of the sower 
And to know that the love and the care we extend to another person, even if we want it so badly in our heart, it won't automatically undo whatever that physical situation is that they're struggling with. But that's the kingdom. The kingdom is there every bit as much as it's there for the person who does have the seemingly miraculous reversal of fortunes. And the lie that creeps in is that somehow that kingdom is a stingy kingdom and that a lot of people never get to taste it. So just an invitation, maybe even do a little inventory, right? Who are four people in your life? What are four situations in your family, friendships, at work, in your neighborhood? What are four different examples of how somebody is living out the fortunes of their lives? And what would it mean to give each and every one of them the same care and attention of any hope-filled sower? Because on the one hand, we can say, yeah, do good things, do good works, try to live like Jesus. That's the way to be a better person. And that's certainly true. But the stakes are higher than just trying to be a better person. I really believe the stakes are so high that that's our contribution to making the presence of the kingdom be real in our own midst. And if that sounds overly melodramatic, don't blame me, blame the parable. Or blame Paul. He can take it. Every time I extend that little challenge to myself, I come up short but I'm not sorry that I extend it. And it usually comes when these readings roll around. Every one of us in this room is being invited to make the kingdom of God present. God doesn't need our help to give it, but he needs our help to receive it.